Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Simply subscribing by email will get you access to that. Uh, We also get you uh, info out when we've got new podcasts and new information available as well. So uh, please go take advantage of that at reallifepharmacology.com. All right, the drug of the day today is bexagliflozin. Brand name of this medication is Brinzavi. And this is a relatively new medication that was just approved uh, here in 2023. Uh, it is, as you could potentially tell by the ending, if you've got some experience in pharmacology, uh, it is an SGLT2 inhibitor. Uh, mechanistically, how does this work? Okay, the drug inhibits sodium glucose cotransporter 2. And what this transporter is responsible for is that transporter allows the reabsorption of glucose back into the body. So, As you can imagine, that makes blood concentrations of glucose higher. So by blocking this transporter, we're essentially reducing blood glucose and putting more glucose in the urine. Now, what would this be beneficial for? Obviously, it probably makes sense if we're going to lower blood glucose that we're going to use this medication for diabetes. And that currently is the uh, only indication for uh, bexagliflozin. I believe there are some other studies that are being looked at for other indications, uh, as in some of the uh, other SGLT2 inhibitors that do have other indications like cardiovascular risk reduction, for example, uh, heart failure is another good example there. Um, but right now, bexagliflozin only has uh, the diabetes indication. Dosing is straightforward and easy, 20 milligrams once a day, no titration, no um, twice a day dosing, anything like that. So that is a potential advantage. Um, but looking at the results and the benefit in management of diabetes, this medication only reduced A1C uh, in the neighborhood of, of 0.4% uh, in, in one study. So um, that's a little bit of a, of a buzzkill with this medication. So example patient that you might see in practice, they've got an A1C of 9 or 10 you know, just adding on bexagliflozin likely, obviously individual results can vary a little bit, but um, by the studies, uh, bexagliflozin is not going to reduce it down to uh, where we want to be, you know, around seven or potentially lower. So um, not a, a crazy potent uh, diabetes agent uh, in that respect compared to something like, um, you know, some of the GLP-1s bring it down significantly. Some of the other SGLT2s um, can potentially bring down that A1C a little bit more. Uh, So I'm not uh, crazy thrilled uh, about the uh, effectiveness of this medication. Uh, Side effects wise, overall is pretty well tolerated. Um, Like I tell people uh, with supplements and medications, uh, if it's not crazy effective? Um, Are we giving enough medication to experience side effects either? So 
with that said, yeah, overall generally pretty well tolerated. Uh, the most common thing that I think about with these medications, um, I do pay attention for any new prescriptions for um, yeast infections, uh, urinary tract infections, because if you think about it, we're putting more glucose out through the urine. So that is a potential fuel for growth uh, within that area of uh, bacteria and fungal infections and things of that nature. So um, really, really pay attention to that. If you've got patients uh, with genital urinary infections or frequent genital urinary infections, um, you've got to make sure to look uh, if they're on an SGLT2 inhibitor like bexagliflozin. Uh, blood pressure, it did have some blood pressure lowering effects, approximately a uh, reduction of four uh, millimeters of mercury, uh, lowering blood sugar, uh, makes sense. Uh, that's the way the drug works. That's what we're going to be using it for. Uh, possibly can lower it too far, so you got to look out for hypoglycemia. I'd say it's pretty rare uh, if you're just using this medication as monotherapy, but obviously uh, if you add it on top of you know insulin or other medications, uh, that certainly could be a little bit of a risk. Uh, weight loss was about 1.6 kilograms in the study. So um, it's nice that it's definitely not going to cause weight gain. Uh, the weight loss effectiveness uh, piece of it, it's really not crazy significant, but it is a little bit, which a little bit's better than nothing, um, but nowhere near um, compared to uh, what some of the GLP-1 agonists can do. Um, some of the GLP-1 agonists can uh, reduce um, or contribute to that weight loss up to 10 to 15 kilograms. So, um Definitely not uh, going to have that weight loss to the extent of uh, GLP ones. Uh, and then there was a reduction in uh, albuminuria, about twenty uh, percent, with this medication as well. Uh, rare adverse effects: um, euglycemic ketoacidosis. So, um, generally, ketoacidosis is going to happen when blood sugars get above you know, 250, 300, and many times it's way, way higher than that. So if you work in an acute care setting, um, this is something to look out for where you might not see a crazy high blood glucose, um, but the patient could be experiencing uh, ketoacidosis anyway, and particularly might be a little bit more likely if they're on an SGLT2 uh, inhibitor. So um, pay attention to that, and if, if you see signs of ketoacidosis, um, recognize that a drug like bexagliflozin could be kind of blunting um, that high, high blood sugar that we might see with kind of traditional ketoacidosis in patients not taking an SGLT2 inhibitor. Uh, other rare effects that have, have been reported, um, limb amputation, necrotizing fasciitis, uh, AKI as well. So again, keep an eye out uh, for those um, rare, obviously, but, but serious situations. A few things on kinetics, uh, half-life is about 12 hours. So, you know, we're going to be able to, to typically get by with once daily dosing there. Uh, primary modes of excretion, urine and feces. And with uh, patients with a, a GFR of less than 30 mils per minute, we're going to avoid this medication. 
And the reason being is that A1, excuse me, that AUC, that area under the curve, um, really creeps up as uh, renal function declines, which obviously brings in the risk for more um, adverse effects and issues. So again, avoid this medication uh, in patients uh, with uh, GFR less than 30 mils per minute. Uh, monitoring parameters, A1C, that's going to be a no-brainer. Obviously, we're going to use this medication for diabetes. Um, renal function, blood pressure, those are going to be the, the primary um, monitoring parameters that we're, we're going to look at there. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any board certification study material, like ambulatory care, BCPS, BCMTMS, the geriatric exam, NAPLEX, go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. Uh, in addition, if you're taking pharmacology classes, we've got uh, two great new resources, uh, Flippin' Pharmacology flashcards, as well as uh, Pharmacology crossword puzzle books. So um, I'll put all those links uh, in the show notes, uh, as well as at uh, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. So the first thing I think about is hypoglycemia. If you start bexagliflozin in a patient on other drugs that lower blood sugar, obviously we've really got to pay attention to hypoglycemia. And that cutoff is, has typically been defined as uh, less than 70 milligrams per deciliter for hypoglycemia. Uh, insulin, sulfonylureas, those are probably going to present the highest risk of hypoglycemia because they bring that risk uh, on themselves, um, but certainly adding it to more uh, medications that lower blood sugar, like bexagliflozin, that's going to increase that risk. I do also think about the uh, diuresis uh, type effect potentially with bexagliflozin and the SGLT2 inhibitors in general. So adding on furosemide, metolazone, hydrochlorothiazide, uh, that can definitely give that additive uh, diuretic effect, which could increase the risk of dehydration, uh, as well as potentially um, increase that risk for uh, frequent urination, which could be bothersome to patients there. Uh, counteracting the hypo or the lowering of blood sugar, you've got to think about drugs that raise blood sugar. Uh, corticosteroids, systemic corticosteroids being uh, the most common medication there. And then uh, last but not least, uh, bexagliflozin, because of the way it works in the kidney, can actually uh, increase the excretion of lithium concentration. So if you've got a bipolar patient taking lithium, um, we could see an increased risk for treatment failure. So Again, causes uh, lithium concentrations uh, to go down in the body when we use a drug like bexagliflozin. So, um, the way I think about this is, you know, how would I manage this, you know, in practice? And I would say we're probably just going to monitor uh, that patient from a uh, clinical standpoint. You know, are they displaying more symptoms of bipolar disorder, or do we feel like we're we're failing with our treatment? Um, and that can be indicative of uh, reduced concentrations. Uh, and then, of course, the other way to monitor and check this out is you've likely got previous levels of lithium, uh, baseline levels. 
so we can check a lithium level after they've started the medication for a week or two, see where they're at, make sure they're doing okay clinically, uh, and that's another good way to kind of assess uh, with what's going on there. So in general, with bexagliflozin, um, unless some new information, some new studies come out that maybe show some benefit in, in other areas, uh, that A1C reduction is not real potent, uh, in, in my opinion. So um, I, I don't really see any strong advantages over any of the other SGLT2 inhibitors um, and maybe even some potential disadvantages with uh, less A1C reduction there. So uh, in general, you're probably not going to see a ton of this medication, um, but again, depends upon if other studies come out and other information come out about uh, some of the older SGLT2 inhibitors or um, if new info comes out about this medication. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. If you found this episode helpful, uh, leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. I greatly appreciate that. If you got any questions, comments, feel free to reach out to me at mededucation101 at gmail.com. If you're taking pharmacology courses, uh, definitely don't hesitate uh, to check out our resources on Amazon, Flippin' Pharmacology Flashcards, as well as the Pharmacology Crossword Puzzle book. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Take care, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.